0: Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum podcast is brought to you by Compassion International, the most trusted child development ministry in the world. They've been doing this for 66 years, sharing Jesus with every single child and have found that the most effective way to care for children in need is through the local church and partnering with 7,000 local churches in 25 different countries to deliver God's love and care to children in need. Two million children are breaking the cycle of poverty for good because of Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and pray about possibly considering maybe to sponsor a child in your own home. It's $38 a month, food education, medical care, vocational training. It's all done again in Jesus' name. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Today on the podcast, we welcome one of the greatest women softball players of the past 25 years, Leah O'Brien Amico joins us here on the podcast. She is a USA Softball Hall of Famer, three-time Olympic gold medal winning softball player, and a three-time national champion in college with Arizona and the Wildcats there in Tucson. She's also a mom to three boys and was inducted into the Arizona Hall of Fame in 2002 and a three-time NFCA first team All-American Currently doing analyst work for ESPN as well as Westwood One as the Women's College World Series gets underway here this weekend. Lots of great things happening in softball and it's the perfect time to talk to Leah O'Brien Amico here on the podcast. Loved having this conversation with her, by the way. We talk about the state of softball, the return of softball to the Olympics in 2020 and her journey. Not just her journey of softball, which is a pretty awesome one and her experience playing in three olympics but her journey of faith which is a pretty powerful story that she shares in a poignant moment of a teammate of hers losing her life and how that really sent leah into a place of urgency and wanting to tell others about jesus christ and this was a fun interview talking to leah i really enjoyed getting to know her former teammate of lisa fernandez and of jenny finch so it was really cool to talk to leah about those two softball legends as well. Take a listen to our conversation with Leah O'Brien Amico, three-time Olympic gold medalist here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Leah, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to be on here.
0: I'm so glad that you were able to come come on the show and looking forward to talking with you. Let's start with, with the Olympics, I think is a great place to start. I think everyone who was an athlete on whatever level you're on, dreams someday of playing in the Olympics, and you were able to do that three times, winning a gold medal with Team USA. But then softball in the Olympics went away for a few years, but now it's returning, which is which is great. In 2020, how important was that in your mind for the sport to have softball return and be a part of of the Olympic games?
1: Well, I I think it's been you know so hard with them taking softball and baseball out of the Olympics, but specifically for me, softball, I think for our sport, it was so such a big deal for us. You know, it was at a time where softball was starting to grow. Um, you know, you'd see a lot more games on television. All of a sudden we kind of had gone into this new era, uh, in the last Olympics that I was in, which was in 2004. And that continued through 2008 Olympics when they went to Beijing, China. And I, I uh, had at that point retired. I'd already been to three Olympics. And then it, it was out in 12 and 16. And then, yes, it's finally coming back next summer, 2020. USA um, already qualified. They won the world championships, and I think the biggest thing is they're going to get a chance to go back and try to get back that gold medal from Japan because Japan was the last Olympic champion. So for our sport, very big deal for us to be back. I think just these young girls, to be able to look and think, okay, not only college and getting my education and my degree, but also being able to go and to be able to represent the United States of America and win a gold medal, there's nothing better than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the questions. My daughter started playing four years ago, and so the Olympics – in 2016 was going on and she's playing softball and asking me dad why why aren't why aren't softball in the olympics and I really couldn't tell her why other than it was just a decision that was made but now that we know it's coming back I think that's just going to do wonders for the game don't you in terms of young people being able young kids young girls being able to watch the people that they emulate on the biggest stage
1: Well yes I think it's such a an honor to represent your country and a lot of these women and and young ladies are girls who they saw on television. Some of them, you know, 10 years ago, and a lot of them just laughed. Last few years in their college uh, uniforms, and so now they're coming together, the best of the best in the world, and being able to um, represent their country. And I think it just it gives these young athletes a whole nother level to look at. And I know for me, one of the the best things was when well, we. I'm sure they're going to do something similar, even though the you know they haven't mentioned yet what they're going to do for their tour. But for us, we traveled over 30 cities in the United States on our preparation, and mm. so um, with that, we would. Go to these different cities and you'd have, you know, four, six, eight thousand people in the stands cheering for you. And I just remember looking out at the fans and thinking, you know, this is who we're playing for. These are the people that we're representing when we go ahead over to compete for that Olympic gold medal.
0: Oh mm, yeah, that's going to be I hope they' come up to the East Coast. I'd love to take my daughter up here, whether it's in Hartford or New York or Boston. It would be awesome if they did something like that. Now, you have three Olympic gold medals, as you mentioned, at the Olympics in '96, 2000 and 2004. Let's go generic here just on a, on a big level and tell me what that is like to, to play in the Olympics and to be up at that podium receiving the gold medal, the gold medal.
1: Well, I I remember um, the very first game when I was 21 years old and we're in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm competing, you know, on this Olympic field and I'm standing there, my heart is pounding out of my chest and here, you know, I I was um, a national champion at Arizona and I had these opportunities. Um, But I, you know, I remember on that field just like this is a whole different level and um, I I just remember after a couple pitches were thrown by Lisa Fernandez was our pitcher in the circle all of a sudden this calm came over me and this thought um, that this is the same game I've played since I was six years old and so just don't okay the stage is bigger but don't focus on that focus on why you're here and what you're here to do and that's to compete in the game of softball and so um, truly it was the biggest honor I, I think being able to come up against the countries like Japan like Australia like China and these, you know, Italy and Canada, all these these different countries who maybe they had a few uh, collegiate athletes who played in America for their teams and then went back to to compete for their countries in the Olympic Games. But now, like for us, it was just the stakes were that much higher for what we were competing for. And so to be able to stand on that podium and have the national anthem being played and the flag raised. It's true. It's just an unreal feeling of just, I tell people it's like every emotion in one. It's, it's this excitement. You want to scream. You've worked so hard for it. It's relief that you actually did it. It's thankfulness and gratefulness. It's a reminder of, to me, I just thought about all the coaches who poured into my life. Obviously my parents were the the ones that I was so most thankful for because they allowed me to pursue this dream and the talent that I was given. And so just so many emotions in one, but Uh, really the greatest honor was being able to stand on that podium and, and say that we were number one in the world for
0: our country. So there's a lot of moments, obviously, when you play in three Olympics. What stands out for you maybe being 96, especially being in Atlanta, being here, in the states and then 2000 2004 and maybe the differences over those few years I know you became a mom at one point and was and then was still competing in the olympic games which had to be an interesting uh thing to kind of navigate through so tell me about the differences and some of those moments that stand out over the three olympic games
1: yeah, so the first Olympics, uh, I was 21 years old, and honestly, I I feel like that one just came and went without me even realize realizing what was happening. It was so fast, and I think I, I it ended, and I pinched myself like, did that really just happen? Yeah. And um, one of the one of the games, we ended up um, winning the gold medal against uh, against China. We had to beat them three times. I think what stands out to me was Dot Richardson, our 34 year old shortstop. Now at the time I was 21 thinking, you know, I know it. I am good. I'm in my prime. And then I look at this 34 year old who literally was leading our team on defense, on offense, gets the winning home run against China. And I learned so much from her leadership, her positivity, um, just the way she fought that the belief that she had and, and really took a lot of us youngsters under her wing, um, all the while becoming an orthopedic surgeon in the process, you know? And, and so I just so looked up to her and still am very good friends with her. Basically it came down to the, fact that our hitting was just not there. We were not, um, you know, making the best adjustments offensively. And so we ended up losing three games. We were on the verge of not even competing for a gold medal. We ended up fighting and finding a way in fourth place, heading into the medal rounds. And we beat China to knock them out. We beat Australia to give them the bronze. And then we came up against an undefeated Japanese team Hmm. and we fought and scratched and clawed our way. And we ended up winning on an error that their outfielder dropped a ball in the eighth inning. They had gone ahead first and we tied it up in the fifth inning and then, and then we ended up winning. And so I think for me, like that medal was, you know, just this relief and look at how, you know, how close we were to one, not even having a medal and being able to compete for it. And then to being able to find our way back and kind of, realize that your identity and value is cannot be wrapped up in what you do. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, if you just go back to the foundational, I, I think that's what I learned the most from that. And, and truly it took a team effort. We really had to be, we could not be individuals. We kind of had a little bit clicks going on when we lost the first couple games and then we kind of unified again. And then my last Olympics, yes, I went to Athens, Greece. I was 29 years old. I I was a mom. I had my son, Jake. My husband and I had been married between the first two Olympics and then right after the Second Olympics, um, a year after I had my son, Jake. And so he turned three just before I headed over to Athens. He was back at home while I was competing Hmm. and um, my husband was there in the stands. And so um, for me, that one was extra special. It was also special because I played for uh, Mike Candrea, my college coach, who was like a father to me. He actually. Um, his wife Sue, we were on tour, like I talked about, going around the U.S. and we we had one more stop um, in Connecticut, but we were in Wisconsin at the airport heading out, and uh, she had slouched out of her chair and became unconscious, and she ended up passing away a couple of days later of a brain aneurysm at the age of 49. And so, mm. there were a lot of emotion, more emotions tied to that one. I I knew I was going to be retiring. Um, you know, this team was very special. We ended up going in and we won, um, we won all nine games. We scored 51 runs and we had one run scored against us. We were featured on sports illustrated. And I just remember one of the things I was at first base, that last Olympics, I'd played right field in the first two Olympics that I was in. And I just remember the last game I had kind of been struggling offensively. I was the number two hitter in the lineup. I ended up getting a hit up the middle. We were playing against Australia. And I got a hit and I and I got on base. And then Crystal Bussos, our just most powerful hitter in the world, really comes up and just hits this just bomb of a home run. I mean, she just crushed this ball. And I remember rounding the bases and thinking, this is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Like normally the games were so intense and different things. And this is just the beginning. And so um, I scored, she scored, and we ended up going on to to beat Australia 5-1 to one in that championship game and really just broke all the records and truly at that point were the best team to ever wear the USA uniform and so for me to finish my career like that was just unbelievable and and very very
0: special Leo O'Brien Amico is our guest here on Sports Spectrum's podcast Leah I know you're so open about your faith I love following you on social media on Twitter and you're never ashamed to share about that faith. Tell us where that started for you, where it was rooted and how you came to become a a follower of Jesus.
1: Yeah, when I was little, my parents had told me about Jesus and I had prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into my heart. And so I knew a little bit about him as I got a little bit older. We weren't going to church very often. And so looking back in high school, I, I feel like I I became what I would call, you know, an American Christian, which is not biblical Christianity <laughs> to where I was trying to be a good person. I believed in Jesus and I was trying to be a good person. And the Bible is very clear that that is not what a Christian is. And so, um, so it was in college. It was a teammate who came to Arizona my junior year. Um, you know, up until then, I'd say I had this false belief of, uh, you know, that if I had died, I would go to heaven. And and I really, you know, what? from what I learned, I don't believe I would have gone to heaven. Um, and so my teammate, Julie Ray Tan, had, was a freshman. She came on to this national. We had just won back-to-back national championships. This girl came on, and she knew where her identity was. It was in Christ and what he said about her. And I remember walking on this team like, Oh man, like, can I even fit in? You know, she, she just, she just played with freedom and she was loving and funny and, and just was secure in who, who she was. But more than that, she wanted her teammates to know Christ. And so she invited me to a Bible study. Um, athletes in action had just actually come onto our campus at this time. And so with a staff member, Doug Gocher, Uh, and, and he, he called, you know, he had this meeting, but at the time he was just trying to find Christian athletes on the team. So Julie went a track athlete, female track athlete and myself. And I will, I don't have a great memory, but I tell people, I always remember that day of thinking I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I don't really want to go, but I told her I would go. Hmm. And so I walk into this meeting and what happened was God used it. They opened the Bible. They started talking about, uh, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And, and I, I really, God just opened my eyes to say, you don't really know me. Like you've always said, you believe in me, but you don't know me. I knew enough to say I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but yeah. I wish somebody would ask me, tell me more about that. Because through that that day, I just got open my eyes. And from that moment, I walked out of that meeting saying, you know what, God, I do want to follow you. I do want to know you. And I've always said that. And so literally my life trans- was transformed. I eventually would would read that the Bible talks about, when Jesus was telling Nicodemus that you must be born of the water and the spirit, you must have the Holy Spirit inside of you in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so that was something that I truly experienced after that moment. All of a sudden I started having new convictions. I didn't have anybody teaching me the Bible, yet I would have this conviction when I would say God's name in vain or what I would do something that the Bible talks about is, is sin. And so um, that just began my journey. And what happened was I I was, I'd learned to play, I went to an Athletes in Action summer camp, ultimate training camp, um, right after I'd won a gold medal in my senior year, I won another national championship. That transformed my life, learning how to share the gospel, learning how to share my testimony, um, just learning, you know, that I'm playing for an audience of one. I'm I'm playing out there for the glory of God through the talents he's given me. And so that kind of began this journey of, okay, I can't wait to, to share this. But what really jolted me was... Right after going to that camp, a month later, I got a phone call that my teammate Julie Raytan had passed away in her sleep. She had um, diabetes and she had complications and, you know, her medication had been off and she went to sleep one night and God called her home. And I I 100 percent believe she um, just opened her eyes face to face with Jesus Christ and that he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I had never been so thankful That God had placed someone in my life before, and I knew without a doubt that I needed to share with everyone the way Julie shared with me, and that really gave me a heart of evangelism. It gave me a love for the Word of God because, like I said, I grew up not really knowing the Word of God, Mm -hmm. and so that became my passion was to equip people to know what God's Word says so that they also can know they either believe Him or they don't, and they know Him or they don't. And then secondly, to tell them that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and what he did for them on the cross, that it's his sacrifice, that we are sinners and and that he died so that we can live.
0: Well, it's a great story and great testimony. I wonder, there's a couple of things that come to mind from listening to your answer there. The first is urgency. I wonder how much of an urgency in your mind that ha- because of the death of your teammate that that gave you to want to spurn that faith that you have onto others and telling them about what God has done for you because life is short, you know, when you see that firsthand with your teammate losing her life that, okay, this isn't forever here. We're talking about a very small time on earth. Did that spurn you towards a a place of urgency and wanting to tell others about the Lord?
1: Absolutely. I I sat at her funeral and literally that's, that's the exact thought. What happened was, I came back from that camp fired up to share, but what happened then all of a sudden that fear of what are they going to think and what are they going to say? And my friends who have always known me, what are, you know, how are they going to respond? And after her funeral, I remember going back and saying, I don't care how they respond. They just need to hear it's their choice what they do with it or not, but I need to be faithful to tell them. And exactly what you just said after that moment, Julie was 21 years old. I remember saying, you know what, God, I may go home tomorrow. If Mm -hmm. I do, may I leave today what you want? me to share. May I leave your love, your words, even I, I pray God, if, if I'm not able to, um, if I'm not able to share the word, then hope, hopefully people will know it by my actions and, and, you know, just my presence. But absolutely the urgency was there at that moment that I needed to leave it behind. Cause I didn't know how many days I have left.
0: And then it says right in God's word, the attacks are going to come <laughs> if we're boldly stand for the Lord. So it's been, you know, couple years now 20 years or whatever that you're sharing this story and you're suddenly walking with the Lord and knowing him as you described but talk about the attacks that come and and listen attacks are it's a different kind of word I guess what does an attack mean but listen we're all going to face different obstacles in our life because of our faith how have you been able to work through those as you've walked this Christian walk these last few years?
1: Yeah. You know, I'd say early on it had to do with, you know, your teammates, their responses, getting made fun of sometimes, you know, kind of getting mocked a little bit, but I, but I love to joke around. So I definitely would let it roll off my shoulder and figure this is a good thing if they're talking about this. But what I have found for me personally Um, what I tend to, I I get to share a lot about my faith, um, um, the gospel. I get to share and ask people to receive Christ when I do different events um, through other sports ministries as well. Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I do a lot of their events. And what I tend to notice is a lot of issues come up within my own family. Like I'll notice that before I'm going to have a big event, all of a sudden, either my, I have three boys, they're 12, 13 and 17, but I'll notice it's just an extra hard week with them. And I am wanting to pull my hair out, you know, and I'm thinking, (laughs) Oh my goodness, what am I going to do here? And then I think, Okay, look what you have coming up. You better be praying, praying, praying. Or, you know, even with my husband and I, like sometimes in our marriage, like something little will all of a sudden cause this big argument. And I'm looking at this going, what just happened? And God has really showed me. And and I. so with that, I've had people um, who have committed to be praying for me, not only when I go speak, but I've learned before I'm going to be speaking, after I've just spoken, because that's a lot of times when I tend to fight. That's more of how I experience the battle, not always from the outside. Do I think there's, you know, sometimes that a little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think of discussions and arguments with people who are non-believers who really come against and have a hard time with what I believe, since I do believe the word of God is, is accurate and is truly God's truth. Yeah. Um, but I, I tend to find the battles are more um, spiritual where the enemy starts to try co- to cause just conflict in my own home.
0: I wonder, too, I get this question asked a lot to me during my time at ESPN of how I lived out my faith in the workplace. And it's not always an easy answer to share because we have jobs to do and you can't just walk around and and be a preacher in the workplace. But I wonder for you how you kind of navigated that, I guess, even early on as a softball player. Uh, You know, still playing, obviously, after you kind of come to this faith and, and going through and then after, you know, you're a broadcaster and you're speaking to a lot of people, not just in the Christian world, but in the secular world as well. How do you sort of navigate that world of living your faith out wherever you are called to be, whether it's a Christian place or not?
1: Yes. That is a great question. And I, you know, I have probably noticed that there might've been some times at first when I was doing a little bit of work with ESPN for college commentating, um, that I, I would second guess myself on sharing, you know, something, or I knew, you know, somebody was taking a real hard stance and something that was unbiblical. And I really was like, no, I need to share God's side of it. And I remember having this, this check, but then all of a sudden sitting back and saying, no, I cannot let what I I'm doing in my job, dictate the truth. I need to share the truth. And whatever happens because of that, then if God moves me somewhere else, then I trust his plan. I will trust what he has for me above all else. I just can't remain silent. Um, And and with his wisdom, I also want to know that, you know, I want to be able to share wisely his truth and know that there's a right way. And so for me, what I found is that, you know, as a softball player, for me personally, I would you know, put, um, verses on my glove, my batting gloves, you know, I would sign verses after games, um, you know, and I notice, and I think sometimes, you know what, I'm signing my verse on all these different things, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm, I'm signing this verse on all these different things. I'm laughing, thinking there's probably so many non-Christians that I'm signing these on, (laughs) but you never (laughs) know who will look it up. I sign a cross next to my name, you know, all these things. And I think, well, this is who I am. And if they want my autograph, they're going to get that. And and then what I've found is in the business world, um, you know, what I've kind of found is that a lot of people that you work with will do their research and think, who am I working with? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not so much me always bringing up the conversation, but instead I see that they've kind of recognized, you know, where, where I stand and I, and, and from that, some good conversations have come up. Other times I've noticed that they've kind of just been like, you know, they may be, cuss or say something and then go, Oh, I'm sorry. Even though, you know, I didn't say one word about it. And so, (laughs) um, so I really just try to let, you know, God, God lead on that. And, um, he has, honestly, he's been beyond faithful.
0: Leah O'Brien Amico is our guest here on sports spectrums podcast. You played with one of the, well, two of the great softball players, we'll call them. You mentioned one of them in Lisa Fernandez and Jenny Finch. Jenny's been on this podcast. Talk about both of those two a little bit. Start with Lisa, and uh, then we'll talk about Jenny a little bit, but just what you saw from playing with somebody like Lisa Fernandez. What a talent.
1: Lisa Fernandez is truly, uh, really the world's best softball player that there ever has been, And, and I was so honored to play in three Olympics next to her. I competed against her my freshman year when she was at UCLA, and she was a senior, and we ended up... Beating them one to nothing, Lisa pitched a one hitter. I got that one hit, oh, wow. and uh, we brought in a runner who had gotten on an air, but um, I was so much happier to be playing with her. I have so much respect for her, and what happened was the last Olympics after I had my son um, Jake I you know had to train. I was older I, you know I needed to train harder than ever, and so Lisa and I actually went to a a personal trainer together. We went out to the field and practiced together. And, and that three year span, I, I really just spent most of my time training with her and, and really she is the most competitive, um, intense athlete and, and, is a perfectionist. And truly what I found is that she is someone who will not think, okay, this was close enough. Like it has to be perfect. And if she can get it done in a practice, she knows that she can mimic that in a game. And so I really learned a lot from training with her. I feel like it made us a lot closer. Um, and what I love about, you know, sports and team sports, you're also different. You know, you, you bring in all these different personalities and, and then you bring it together. And that's what makes the team. And so, um, I really felt fortunate. She is one of, you know, truly the best hitters, best pitchers, as well as the best third basemans. Like I said, I finished my career at first base. So it was fun to have her at third base or on the mound, um, when I was playing there. And so uh, truly the best that there is, I'm thankful that she's still coaching at UCLA and, and really giving back to these girls because she has so much to offer.
0: Yeah, and my daughter's hero, uh, Jenny Finch, we mentioned her. Sarah, my daughter, loves her. And we had Jenny on the podcast last year. And uh, not ashamed of her faith either, which I love. But Jenny, talk about Jenny Finch and just the talent that she is.
1: Oh yeah. Jenny Finch. Um, I love that God has really lifted her up to be the face of softball for so many years. Jenny and I played together in the 2004 Olympics. She's six years younger than me. I remember meeting Jenny when she was being recruited to Arizona. And I know that one of the things, um, coach wanted me to talk to her about when she was coming on a recruiting trip was the fact that, you know, I was involved in, um, Christian sports ministry there. And that, you know, that Christianity was a big part of who she was. Um, and so so I remember sharing that with her, but it wasn't until a lot later that we would we would become a lot closer. Playing with her, um, it, again, also played first base. Didn't get a lot of that on you Team USA, but she could play an amazing first base, great hitter. Um, but really, it was her pitching that she was known for. Um, just the presence she had in that circle, and you know, just off the field, the most genuinely humble, kind, sweet person. But you give her that ball, and you put her in the pitcher's circle, <laughs> and she is going to compete and she wants the ball and she's someone that is, is going to fight. She's a winner. And I, I loved, you know, the fact that this girl could throw the ball, you know, in the low seventies and just blow it by people. And, you know, truly, um, a team player is what I would say about Jenny. Jenny is someone who, um, really wanted to be her very best all for the sake of the team. never, for her to get the pad on her back. And so, you know, through the years I've done clinics with Jenny around this country and, um, we have become very, very good friends. And, um, I've just been so proud of how she's used her position and her platform to share Jesus because she is unashamed of the gospel and she sees, you know, the bigger picture.
0: I know you've gotten to be around, obviously, the great athletes we just talked about, but just athletes in general. When you go to an Olympic Games, you, you meet, obviously, and you're around some of your, your fellow American athletes. Have you ever found yourself in awe of meeting an athlete or an entertainer in the circles that you've been able to walk in?
1: You know, yeah, we, um, it was fun for us, like heading into opening ceremonies. Well, the last, I'll say the last Olympics, the one that we were most excited Hmm. to talk to and meet was, um, was Andy Roddick. And, you know, he, we actually like swayed him. We got, we were hanging out with him a little bit, our team and stuff. And we were not allowed to go to the opening ceremonies because we had a game the next day and our coach did not want to, you know, you get back at 2, 3 a.m. And he just did not want to take any chance of starting out strong. And so anyways, we somehow talked Andy Roddick into missing (laughs) the opening (laughs) ceremonies and hanging out with us. And there were a few swimmers that also had you know, I think already started competing. And so they were, they were hanging back as well. Um, and what was fun for us, you know, that him, I would say the men's basketball team, each Olympics, when we got to meet some of them, um, Diana Taurasi, she went to my high school. Uh, she was in the 2004 Olympics as well. So that was fun to be able to get to, to chat with her. um, you know, the women's soccer team, I'd say in 2000 Olympics, that was fun. Um, being able to, they, you know, after 99 and what they did and just seeing them all over the place and the media had just blown up supporting them. Um, it was so fun to see Brownie Chastain and Mia Hamm and, and, you know, these women who were doing so much for female sports, um, as well as I would say, um, you know, after the 96 Olympic team, I remember us going to the white house and meeting the womens gymnastics team that just won gold, so there through the years, I think it was it was the fact that these people who had been so much in the media um it was it was fun to to meet you know, meet them as well. And then one more, I would say after the, actually after the 2004 Olympics, um, at our celebration, we just found out that softball was going to be, or yeah, featured on the cover of sports illustrated mm-hmm. and it was, um, a sports illustrated party and we got to meet Michael Phelps. And so that was like, again, such <laughs> a big deal at that time. And, yeah. and I think that here's, here's what I think I took away from it. I took away the fact that, you know, here in America, you know, you put softball compared to these, you know, these NBA players or Andy Roddick, who's, you know, this unbelievable tennis player and and professional. And, and you think about just the money difference and the fame difference. And, but there, what I loved was, Hey, this is an environment that all of us, all of us are representing the United States of America. So as fun as it was to just look at them in all in that sense, um, it was neat to be like, okay, this puts it back in perspective. We're all here for the USA.
0: Last couple of questions here with Leo, Brian, Amiko. I always like to ask this question more recently, I guess, in the podcast, the last couple of months, what's your definition of success, Leah?
1: My definition of success is that we would go and use our talents and abilities all for God's glory, and that at the end of the day, that For me, you know, and and especially now when I go and speak and I share that people will not necessarily remember my name and I'm okay with that, but they'll remember how I made them feel. They'll remember that I told them that there's a purpose for their life, that if I get a chance to share the gospel, that God loves them and sent Jesus to die for them. And if I've done my job, then to me, truly that is success. And, And I say that because I think about going out and speaking, but even in my own family, I tell my boys all the time, you know what? I want you to go do amazing things in this world. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that you would love Jesus Christ with all your heart and soul. Because I know that if you do that, then God's going to take care of all the other details. He's going to be with you in the trials. He's going to you know, allow you to experience success for His glory. He's going to walk with you no matter what you go through. And so for me, success is is really allowing people to, um, not only know that by saying the words, but by me, my actions and serving others that I've let them feel that as well.
0: Last question. And this has been great, Leah. Thanks so much for being here on the podcast. We asked this to all of our guests. We've been doing this really since the beginning. What is the Lord teaching you right now? What are you learning from God in the season of life? He has you in today, 2019.
1: I think a common theme that he kind of has done for a while for me is balance because um really like I get pulled in a lot of different directions that God's opened a lot of opportunities like I said to go out and to be able to share um which takes me away from my family but really for little bits of time and then I'm home I homeschool um two of my boys in 6th and 7th grade right now um recently I felt like God was um just speaking to me a, a lot about how the Bible does say that we will go through some suffering. And although I would say that I right now, I can't say, Oh yes, I've gone through all this suffering that I know through as I, as I go through any hard times, or even for me, it's given me perspective of people around me that I'm constantly praying for. Um, just that, that, that just reminds us that, we're living out this life that God has called us to, you know, that, that this is not our home. And I I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I would leave it with is just that I, God doesn't want us to get so comfortable here that we aren't looking to him and looking forward to what is ahead and reminded, like, like we talked about earlier that urgency. And so I feel like he's just reminding me that he's calling me out. He's giving me a really sweet season, um, just in this last month, I would say, a lot of years, I feel like God showed me, I was a seed planter. The Bible talks, you know, some plant seeds, some water them, and God gives the increase, you know? Yeah. And just recently, He's really been allowing me, as I share, to really see that other people have done the watering, other people have did the planting, and now I'm able to see the harvest. And so I, I just am so thankful that if we will press on, that God will give us different seasons and that every single season matters.
0: She is Leah O'Brien Amico, USA Softball Hall of Famer, Olympic gold medal winning softball player and three-time national champion. We didn't even really talk about Arizona. We'll have to do that next (laughs) time on the podcast, but Leah, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us, and we wish you nothing but the best.
1: Thank you so much, Jason. It was an honor to be with you.
0: And many thanks to Leah O'Brien Amico for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum podcast, three-time Olympic gold medal winning softball player. ESPN analyst, Westwood One analyst, the Women's College World Series going on right now this weekend. Definitely worth checking out. Lots of fun here with Leah. Really enjoyed talking to her on the podcast. Give her a follow on Twitter. She's at Leah20USA, Leah, L-E-A-H, the number 20, and then USA. Give her a follow on Twitter. She's on there a lot, sharing a lot about her faith, and uh, you know, let her know that you heard her story here on the Sports Spectrum podcast. Thanks to Leah for being here on the show. Thanks to Compassion International for sponsoring us here at Sports Spectrum. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and check out the website where you can sponsor a child in Jesus' name. It's $38 a month. It releases a child from poverty, food education, vocational training, medical care, all done in Jesus' name. Check it out. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at sports underscore spectrum. Give us a follow there and tweet about or post about this interview. We'll retweet it and like it and share it and just love to hear your feedback on the Sports Spectrum podcast interviews that we do. You can also reach me directly, Jason at sportspectrum.com and check out our website, which is sportsspectrum.com content updated every single day on the intersection of sports and faith, sportspectrum.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Have a great rest of your day. We love you guys. This is the Sports Spectrum Podcast.